You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. The New York Mets won on opening day, and I was lucky enough to be in attendance. Going to tell you about my experience throughout the show today. First segment, really get into the Beginning of this game, the matchup between Sandy Alcantara and Max Scherzer and the way the Mets lineup responded to facing the reigning NL Cy Young. Second segment, really get into the later innings, how the Mets were able to get that lead late and hold it with their bullpen that is now without Edwin Diaz. Then we'll close the show with the unfortunate news of the day. Justin Verlander will open the season on the injured list. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, Follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing just baseball.com where I work as the managing editor. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. If you're looking for last minute tickets for the lowest price guaranteed, you want to download that Game Time app today. Now, I use the Game Time app to buy tickets to opening day. Me and my dad went out and saw the game in Miami. It was a blast. I have some. You know, positives to take from it and some negatives. And the negatives was all about leaving Miami. And boy, is that ballpark just not equipped to handle actually having fans show up. It took about an hour to get out of the garage. I don't need to bore you with those details about why the end of my night wasn't as great as the beginning. You're interested in the beginning, so we'll focus there. It was a blast. It was an amazing atmosphere. Obviously, it's not going to the home opener where City Field's going to have 40,000-plus on hand. You know, there was a subdued crowd based on your typical opening days, but there was a lot of Mets fans. The Seven Line Army was out there. Steve Cohen was with the fans. How amazing is that? That he just went down and watched the game with the fans? Can you imagine Jeff Wilpon doing that without getting just drenched with soda and beer and popcorn? I, I mean, it's just a 180. And honestly, when I look at that... It shows that he cares. It shows that he prioritizes the fans as a fan himself. And it just makes you know that even when you get the bad news of the day, we're going to get to that at the end of the show, uh, you still, regardless of what transpires this season, Mets baseball is going to continue to be fun because of that man. So I had to say that at the top because I thought that was so cool that he was out there. Now, being in the ballpark myself, I was a little far away from from Uncle Stevie out there, we got to watch an incredible pitcher's duel. And through the first five innings, there really wasn't much offense. And I just kept on checking my phone and figuring out how quickly this game was going by. I was like, Dad, look, man, that that first inning was like 15 minutes. And that's what happens when you have two guys that are embracing the pace. Uh, I'd say the Contra and Max Scherzer that want to work in that pace, that pound the strike zone, that don't walk too many batters. It's a fun brand of baseball to watch, in my opinion. And, you know, early on, it felt like one run was going to make a difference either way. And the Mets got that run in the third inning. 
Their first rally of the season, Daniel Vogelback starts it by drawing a walk. Eduardo Escobar struck out. Uh, today, four at-bats, three of them against right-handed uh, pitchers. I believe it was two strikeouts and a dribbler. And, and look, I'm not trying to just completely crush Eduardo Escobar. I actually like Eduardo Escobar a lot as a person and even as a player. To me, it's just blatantly obvious that he needs to be a right-handed batter only. My dad was saying today, why doesn't he just bat from the right side against righties? The swings that he was taking from the left side, it almost makes me think that that isn't a bad idea. And I know that he's never done that in his career, but it just doesn't look good against right-handed pitching. And that left side of the plate swing, it's just not on the same level as his right-handed side. He had a big hit later, and we'll get to it, but he strikes out. So one out man on first. Omar Nervais got a knock. And I'll tell you, Omar Nervais... He's going to be a better hitter than James McCann. I'm not even at all concerned about that. He just looks a lot more comfortable at the dish. And having a lefty catcher, uh, when it comes obviously to the offense, he's right-handed when it comes to you know playing defense. But, man, that does just kind of change the feel of your lineup a little bit. I, I really think that we're going to love that platoon between him and Nito. So he gets a knock. Vogue goes first to third, which is the most majestic thing on the planet, to watch that man run. Brandon Nimmo comes up, sacrifice fly. Nimmo had an amazing game. Okay, he was sensational. So, as I said, though, first five innings, that was it. That was the one run either team scored. Top of the six, the Mets got going, and they knocked Alcantara out of the game. Nervaez grounded out, so it was one out, nobody on for Nimmo. He drew a walk. Starling Marte singled. That put runners at first and third because Nimmo went first to third. Francisco Lindor had a sacrifice fly. Lindor... Had two of the best hit balls in this game. Line drives that went to the outfield. He could have had doubles. He hit them right at people. But, man, he he looks pretty good at, at the box right now. I think Lindor is going to get off to a fine start this season. And that was a, a great clutch RBI to give the Mets a lead. Pete Alonso drew a walk to put runners at first and third again. Then we had our first really strange new rule situation where Jeff McNeil comes up. He hits a foul ball. Pete Alonso doesn't get ready in time, and then McNeil has to suffer, and he loses a strike? How does that make any sense? But that's the rule. So suddenly Jeff McNeil's out too. And if you were in the ballpark, you were watching this guy. I don't know how the cameras are focused back at home. McNeil was heated. You're going up against the reigning Cy Young, and you go from down 0-1 on a foul ball to suddenly you're in an 0-2 hole. He spits on a pitch where Alcantara tries to get him to chase. And then he finds a hole, as Jeff McNeil is prone to do. And now you're really seeing him being able to use that back control and manipulate it based on where you know they're going to play him. So he finds a hole up the middle, drives in a run. You could just tell that he was just so fired up to, to have you know been put in that you know bad position based on a stupid rule. And it come through anyway and get the Mets the 3-0 lead. Uh, that was awesome to see. The Marlins end up pulling Sandy. Then Scherzer got knocked around in the bottom half. So he gives up a pair of doubles, one of which to Luisa Rise, who is the best hitter the Marlins have had in a long time. Uh, and that was an RBI double for him. He ends up scoring on a, on a homer from Garrett Cooper. Cooper made a couple of ridiculous plays at first base in this game. But... I will say this Marlins team and the Mets are going to be playing the rest of this week. They are much better in their lineup. Not to say that they're a great team, 
But last year there was nothing. And now they're at least competent one through four. You know, Arise is a great hitter. Segura gives you professional at-bats. Garrett Cooper is a good hitter. And Jazz Chisholm has the potential to be a great hitter when everything's right for him. So that's a four that is pretty strong. And Jorge Soler always has the power to leave the yard. So one through five, they actually have a lineup that's a little bit scary. It falls off after that. Uh, but they were able to tie the game. And luckily for the New York Mets, they were able to respond and respond in a pretty big way and ended up closing out this game. We're going to get to all of that in just a minute. Before we do, though, if you're trying to go to tomorrow's game or any of the games this weekend, have you ever been in that situation where you want tickets and you just don't know where to go and maybe you decide it's just too stressful so you stay at home? you got to use game time. It's fast. It's easy. It's the best way to buy tickets for all your sports, music, comedy, theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee so you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have at the game. As I said, I bought tickets from game time to go to opening day, and I was rest assured knowing that I had the game time guarantee. So I looked around other markets, and it was the lowest price I was able to find. But if you can find tickets in the same section or row for less, game time is going to credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You get images of your seats before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect. When you arrive, you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you are all set. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDONMLB, and you're going to get $20 off your first purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Again, create an account, redeem your code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download the GameTime app, last-minute tickets, lowest price guarantee. Check it out today. Now, watching the game today, to me, the thing that really struck me is it felt a lot like last year. It felt like the 2022 Mets, and it makes sense. The lineup is very similar to the 2022 Mets. You had some new faces of Nervias and Fam out there, but overall, this is the same roster. This is the same team that could pass the baton, that could put rallies together, that when their pitcher blows the lead and the game is tied, the next half inning, you know what they do? They grab that lead right back, and that's what happened. So, bottom seven, or sorry, excuse me, top seven. It felt like a home game. What can I say? Top seven, Tommy Pham leads off against the lefty. He hits a dribbler. No surprise there. Wardo Escobar comes up against the lefty. What I say before, this was the big at bat. Gets a hit. Sharp single. All right. You're in business. Omar Nervias draws a walk, puts two runners on for Brandon Nimmo. He hits an RBI double that scores both. And another thing that we mentioned on this show was yesterday, Jazz Chisholm in center field is going to be an adventure this year. Now, he made a really nice catch on one going back on the ball. Uh, But in this instance, he didn't take the best route to cut that ball off. Had he, you know, just understood playing the outfield a little bit better, taking a different angle, he could have cut the ball off and it wouldn't have stopped, of course, uh, you know, Escobar from scoring, but Nervaez might not have scored. Instead, he tries to get to it, ends up losing his glove, throws the ball in, and Nervaez was able to score from first base. The Mets have a 5-3 to three lead, 
and they were able to hold on to it. So that was another big question and a big thing that we needed to see. And the Mets answered, at least for this game, that they still can have the same winning formula from last year, which was a strong bullpen. Drew Smith comes on. Didn't look great. Gave up a double. Uh, you know, Also had a fly out right after that. So you had a runner on second, one out. Ends up going 3-0 to Brian De La Cruz. And you're just thinking, man, you got to attack this part of the lineup. Because the last thing you wanted was for a rise to come up and Smith's still on the mound. Then you have to go to a pitching change. How do you get through that? Probably Brooks Raley, but you didn't want to get to that point. The The bottom of that Marlins lineup is a, a, a group that you got to throw strikes, and if Brian De La Cruz hits a home run on you, you have to live with it. But you can't walk him, and he didn't. He just rears back, throws some fastballs by him, gets a strikeout, gets another strikeout, gets out of the jam. They're going to need Drew Smith to step up. Uh, and I think this was a good first step. Uh, he was a little bit wild, but it is what it is. At least he got the three outs. Rayleigh comes on. He was great. Pounded the strike zone. Uh, you know, you have two relievers that are pitching out of the windup at the end of these games with Rayleigh and David Robertson. But Rayleigh from the left side, even though you're looking at the VLO on, on your TV and it's saying, you know, 91, I'll tell you in person, that is jumping on hitters. From, from the way his delivery uh, kind of sneaks up on guys coming from the left side. I can see why he's so effective because you would have thought that that 91 was 97 if you're in the ballpark. That That's just how quickly it gets on hitters. So uh, I think he's going to be just a welcome addition. He's going to be way better than Joely Rodriguez. And I, I think he really is. If you're looking at Robertson, Rayleigh, and Adovino as your three best relievers, I think the Mets – have a good formula, and they were able to hold off on using Adovino in this one, which was big. Now, David Robertson comes in. Man, did he look good. And David Robertson can be the, the savior of this season for the Mets when it comes to the Edwin Diaz injury. Uh, you know, Here's a guy that's been there before that's done it. Goes out, one, two, three, gets two strikeouts. The knuckle curve was nasty. Got one strikeout where he just threw that thing in the dirt and... and Guy swung right through it. He is a, a veteran pitcher that has seen it all, done it all. And I, I predicted in my bold predictions episode this week, he's going to lead the National League in saves. I, I really think he's going to save 40 this year. I think he's going to have an incredible season. And you know what? The, the good thing, too, Edwin Diaz is already rehabbing. Not to say he's definitely going to come back way too far out to predict that. I wouldn't rule it out, though. I wouldn't rule out that you might get Edwin Diaz back. Uh, near the end of this season, going into the October, and if that happens, how's that for an addition? So, I thought the bullpen looked good in this one. You look at the starting lineup when it comes to the stats. You know, Nimmo, big day, three RBIs, scored a run, one for three with a walk. Marte, two for four. Uh, I, I do like the lineup as presently constructed. I hate that Jeff McNeil bats fifth. Because I feel like that's a guy that is arguably the best hitter on this team. Just pure hitter. So to get him less at-bats is something that I don't love. But watching him play out today, I do really like it. Because you know he's going to get a lot of RBI opportunities where he's just going to need to get a knock. And that's because teams are going to pitch around Pete Alonso to get to Jeff McNeil. And that's especially when there's a runner on second base, say... And all of a sudden, they got nowhere to put Jeff McNeil. They got to attack him, and he could just find holes. 
today he laid down a bunt. They they were shifting him, uh, you know, in, on the infield. So the third baseman was playing over the shortstop, playing right by second base, shifting as much as you can with the new rules. Jeff just lays down the perfect bunt. Halfway down the line, he knows he has it. He just shuts it down, walks to the base, puts his foot on, starts taking off his gear. So much swagger from the squirrel, in my opinion, in that moment. Loved the game that he had, 2 for 4. As I said, uh, Canna 0 for 3 in this one. He was taking hacks. Hacks. Trying to hit some homers this year. Vogie, 0 for 1 with a walk. Scored a run. Tommy Pham, 0 for 2. Had a strikeout and a dribbler. He looked not great. Escobar had the big hit, scored a big run against the left-handed pitcher. That's all I'm saying. Keep him out there as a righty. Put Guillaume out there, if anything. Guillaume is going to give you a better at-bat against Sandy Alcantara than Eduardo Escobar. I'm sorry he will, um, but I, I digress. Nervais won for three. So uh, a solid performance from this Mets lineup. The bullpen was good. Scherzer could have been better because down the stretch he had a bad inning, but it was one bad inning. He was attacking the zone. Uh, you know, he gives up three runs. The ERA is four five zero for now, but he was way more dominant than that would suggest. Six strikeouts, walk two, got squeezed a little bit on those walks too. Those pitches were close, so I thought Scherzer overall had a good outing. Uh, we'll see what he does next time. But unfortunately, his co-ace is not here. I've managed to avoid talking about it for the first two segments, but I cannot do that any longer. Next, Justin Verlander hits the IL. We're going to. Discuss that. Before we do, though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Tournament is heating up. Got the final couple of games. Now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers are going to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. It's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, it's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three pointers drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout. With a same game parlay. I have my eyes right now. If you're looking. Bet on the division. You still got an opportunity to do that. Plus 155 for the Mets to take the NL East. Don't miss your chance also again. To get that no sweat first bet. Up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. To learn more. Make every moment more. With FanDuel. An official sports betting partner of the NBA. So as I alluded to before, uh, driving to Miami, not fun today. Uh, probably about an hour, a little more than that on the way down. So that wasn't that bad. Uh, it was the way out that was rough. But what was really unfortunate was right when I about got off the highway, I looked on my phone a little bit because I started to get some messages and Justin Verlander on the IL. I'm like, what? What happened? It wasn't until I got in the garage that I could even read about it. Basically, he has a low-grade strain of what they call the Terrace Major, which I guess is a muscle in the armpit area. Now, Justin Verlander in the past has missed significant time with a lat injury, so he is relieved that it's not the lat. He said this is a playoff situation. He pitched through it, but since it's the beginning of the year, since he felt discomfort his last time out, and since it remains, they checked it out. There's something there, so he's going to keep throwing so that there might not be a big ramp-up time when eventually he can come back. But for now, he's scrapped. 
He's on the IL, and the Mets have to go to plan B. So Tyler McGill, who's going to start the season in Syracuse, guess what? You're in the rotation again. And he's lined up to pitch the home opener. So two years in a row, he is going to fill in for an injured you know, Cy Young. Last year it was DeGrom where he pitched opening day. Now home opener fills in for Verlander. Last year he ran with it in April. So maybe Tyler McGill is an April pitcher and he shows up and shows out. But it is still really unfortunate and you're just hoping that Verlander doesn't suffer any setbacks. And then at the same time, as a Mets fan, I don't know if you guys went through this, Jacob DeGrom is starting for the Rangers. And he strikes out Trey Turner on three pitches. So suddenly you're thinking, did the Mets screw up? Were we wrong? Like, is is DeGrom going to be the healthy one and Verlander's not? And I'll tell you what, I hate to say it, but I love to find out that Jacob DeGrom got rocked by the Phillies. I loved it. I can't believe I said that. As someone that was the biggest DeGrom fan a couple months ago, I was delighted to find out that he gave up five runs on six hits, all of which went for extra bases, something he never did as a man, giving up that many extra base hits. The Rangers picked him up and scored 11. So Jacob DeGrom is okay. The, the team, look at that for him, huh? Run support. Wow. He must love being a Ranger right now. That's something that never would have happened as a Met, but uh, it is something to monitor. Um, the health of DeGrom, it's going to be something that it's going to be hard to ignore. Uh, but Verlander, you just hope this is a 10-day aisle stint, that he throws for the next 10 days. McGill makes two starts. Hopefully McGill fares well. Uh, hopefully Peterson and everyone else in the rotation fares well. And then they have to make a tough decision on who to option when Verlander's ready to come back for the third with you know the third start of his turn in the rotation this season. And if he misses two starts and he ends up the year with 30 or 28 or even 25, you're happy. But there was a moment where I suddenly, as a fan, had the, the buyer's remorse and the, the shock and awe of, are you serious? How could this possibly be happening? For now, though, there is no reason to overreact to it much. Minor injury. Let's let this thing play out. The Mets luckily have a qualified MLB starter to slot in. He's got to go up against the Marlins twice, essentially, right? It's this Marlins lineup, and then I think it's the Marlins again at the home opener. Um, so you got to go up against Arise, Segura, Cooper, and Jazz. And then. You know, the lineup drops off. So I think McGill will be fine in those starts. But uh, it is an unfortunate thing for the Mets to have to deal with this early in the season, especially considering the Diaz injury, um, Quintana, and everything else. Now, last little piece of news I want to discuss on the show before we close, Max Freed, hamstring injury. We'll see what comes of that. The Braves got an easy win over the Nationals. Phillies lost. So not to do the scoreboard watching this early, but... You know, things of note, I would say. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked On Mets. Likely this week of Locked On Mets. We'll see if there's any thrilling games this weekend I want to hop on and talk about. But most likely, I'll be back on Monday for our typical Monday through Friday schedule. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at FickelsteinRyan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. 
You can find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.